know, there has been uh, incidences of, of blatant bullying, you know, just because of somebody's uh, childless status. When somebody comes into work to work and tells a colleague that, um, you know, their childlessness makes them means that they're selfish, means they're uncooperative, um, and says negative things about their personality. What other situation would that not be bullying? If you came into work and said, started telling somebody um, negative things, negative connotations about their personality because of their race, their sexuality, their gender, can, can you imagine the, you know, the quick response from an organisation, the uproar, um, unless you're in one of those you know, toxic places which sadly also exist. But, uh, but that is bullying. You know, when people decide to, to sit there and, uh, and just say these sorts of things, I couldn't, uh, and I wouldn't, go into work and just start telling somebody negative things I think about them for any reason. So when somebody does that uh, through, you know, due to your childlessness, that is bullying. That is, that is actually treating somebody less favourably. That, uh, that is making somebody feel, um, you know, a, a certain way. And, uh, and people think they've got the entitlements to say these things still, and, and they don't. Hello and welcome to the Full Stop podcast, a childless community podcast with Michael Hughes, Berenice Smith and me, Sarah Lawrence. If you're new to this podcast, we're here to delve beneath the surface of the childless identity, to cover what's going on in the wider community and to look at the topics that really affect us. Our goal is to help and support those of you out in the community by sharing the stories and the voices that make up our narrative so that you too can begin to find yours. We also aim to inform and educate those who aren't members of our community so that they can begin to understand and support those people in their lives who are facing a life without children. In this episode, we're joined by Sophie Hunter from SE Hunter Associates, a freelance human resources and EDI consultant to discuss childlessness in the workplace. Sophie has a wealth of knowledge about this topic and we wanted to ask her about the issues that impact many of us in the workplace or in self-employment. For us, this episode is one of the most practical and hopeful when it comes to a topic that can so often leave our community feeling overlooked or unseen when compared to our colleagues who are parents. This episode is well worth a listen if you're employed in any capacity and would like to know what you can do to start to get your needs met as a childless worker. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode all about how we can have a little more space, time and consideration for the childless in the workplace. Good morning Sophie Hunter and welcome to the Full Stop Podcast. Happy to be here, thanks for inviting me. That's okay, it's been a lot of, we had a good old natter. We were talking for ages at Storyhouse which is where we met because you were the panellist, well actually you hosted the panel on workplace with myself with Jodie and Katie and we said we must get an episode because there's so much that we were talking about there that we couldn't share in the, the short panel that we had at Storyhouse but also what we were talking about in the bar as well um, before we we joined um, together to present um, for you to present the, the panel. So there's an awful lot, I think, going on at the moment. Do you want to just share a bit about what you do, Sophie, for our listeners who didn't go to Storyhouse and might not know you? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so uh, say uh, my name, uh, my name's Sophie, and uh, I have um, my own HR consultancy. 
Uh, But I also specialise in equality, diversity and inclusion. And that is primarily focused on the workforce, but it it also focuses on certain organisations, client base. So, for example, it can be patient focused for the NHS or it can be student focused for a university. So uh, it's and that side of things is all about access to services. My um, my interest in, in childlessness in the workplace is is twofold. One of it is, is my personal experience, and uh, and some of it is um, you know from a, from a HR perspective and, and good practice, and you know that the issues that come up around people who do have children and don't have children working together and and their expectations. I worked in the NHS for the bulk of my career before I I set up on my own. And and that was an incredibly interesting environment to to see the the different experiences people had and the different expectations because you've got the the dynamics of shift work and hierarchy and and all those... uh, there's things that come into play. So because my, my specialism is equality and diversity, that's, that's very much my, uh, my baby. That looks very, very different nowadays than how it looked when many years ago when I, when I first started working in, in that field. And so I think it's summed up wonderfully in the, uh, the childless event at Storyhouse where we, we named it the number one diversity issue that nobody's talking about. It's absolutely an issue where people, they're not, it's not quite in their comfort zone yet. And, uh, and it carries a lot of stigma, a lot of pain, and, and sometimes a lot of shame. And, uh, and that does actually affect people in how they go about their jobs, how they communicate with their colleagues. And uh, in this day and age as well, with with mental health and and focus on supporting uh, staff and employees, we really need to be be picking up this agenda as a HR and EDI agenda to make sure that that people aren't being unfairly treated and, and discriminated against because of their child status. Oh, it's a huge issue, isn't it? I mean, I've talked to so many of my clients about this in, in various guises. But I think the one thing I take away from it is, you said it's the number one diversity issue that no one's talking about. But I think for many uh, childless people, there's a sense that you kind of have to, in essence, put yourself out there in order for that diversity issue to be seen. And there's a real, that's a bit of a double-edged sword in terms of, all right, I've got to, I've got to tell people that I'm childless in order to bring that to the table. Are there any tips or anything that people could do to make it easier for themselves? Because it's such a big step, I think. Definitely, definitely, and and there's often quite a you know the reasons when people have uh, you know want to actually bring it up as an issue, want to bring it to the table. They don't because of and some of the examples uh, you know that I'm going to, uh, to to hopefully have opportunity to tell people about uh, on on the podcast is is people already feel that discrimination and uh, they want to bring it to the table because they feel unfairly treated but at the same time they think if I do bring it to the table I'm opening myself up to to all these questions about childlessness about my own childlessness about the circumstances and sometimes the reasons that are quite harrowing you know they can include 
people who childless through circumstances such as um, previous addiction or domestic violence. So there can be really triggering questions that they maybe don't want to go into detail of. So I think it's it's really for employers to step up first and, and not put that emphasis on the employee and to try and bring the issue of childlessness into their workplace culture themselves. And by doing so, it's a little bit chicken and egg, you say, by doing so, then people can feel comfortable to bring it to the table. They can feel that, do you know what, I can I can take this issue that's happening at the moment to my manager without fear that you know it's going to be seen as a less than important for for somebody else so I think it has to start with employers saying do you know what let's acknowledge World Childless Week let's have a let's have an event for awareness let's uh, let's acknowledge um, adoption week let's acknowledge baby loss week and start to have those conversations if a workplace have a women's network then that's, a, that's an ideal place to say, do you know what, have you heard of this initiative? We really need to be considering how we treat people in the, in the workplace, whether they have, uh, you know, with, with regards to fairness, whether they have, uh, have children or not. So that's, that's where the key lies for me. The initiative has to come from the employers. What's your policy over flexible uh, flexible working? Does it favour people who have got children? Does that need to change? So there are lots of ways that the employers can actually start to look at this themselves and make that uh, make it an easier platform for people to step up and say, "Do you know what this is happening to me?" And I need some support. I certainly had that experience myself. Thank you, Sophie. That um, in places that I've worked in. I've had I've done inclusivity training myself and certainly my experience was that the icon for caring was a child um that didn't go down too well but I was already kind of out because of the podcast and also being World Childless Week ambassador but my first foray into kind of making it onto the agenda of the place that I was working in at the time was to share and put up World Childless Week posters which Steph creates every year and they are available to download. And I could do that fairly kind of anonymously. I could kind of go into a stealth mode and put them onto notice boards just to get a conversation going because they're very visual and very striking. You can't really miss them. That kind of led to something. And I started to put resources down for the podcast as well. So there's bits and pieces that we've done that people can get from our website. They're quite easy ways to go in and gender balance was another um or gender equality was where I got some traction and they've been really supportive because it is sometimes women's networks can be a bit pronatal yeah. and then you have to sort of fix things it's that thing where as I, 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 I hate using this word in this context but I can't think of another perhaps another one will come up during the podcast but victim in the as the so-called victim um again you can see why i'm uncomfortable as a childless person you have to educate other people and that yeah. puts in such a position of vulnerability when actually you know my experiences of of, of of training in this area and delivering the training and you sit there delivering the training going there's childlessness there's childlessness but it's not a protected characteristic but there's childlessness because actually it enroaches on all of the other characteristics it's there because actually things like disability can be 
very closely related to childlessness as we've done on the podcast we've probably done a podcast episode and you've probably talked about it yourself Sophie about these different things within the protected characteristics that fall in closely related to childlessness and it's a very much a position of vulnerability for people um and that can be really really hard which is why the work you're doing and the advice you're sharing and the resources you're sharing are really important I think to our listeners because I know from my own personal experiences that it can feel when I've done something like that I always feel then that everyone's watching me and you feel Okay, oh, it's Berenice. Maybe my name makes me stand out even more, but even so, it's still kind of putting yourself into a position of vulnerability, too. De- definitely, and uh, and I think you know you talked there about it not being a protected characteristic in its own right, but it's um it's so closely linked, and I'm always on the lookout. There's not been any case law that uh, that you know is close enough to what we're talking about yet, but I think as this issue gets more and more into the workplace, maybe that case law will come. Maybe people will become more aware of what's happening because it's uh, quite often childlessness is motivated by disability, not necessarily that that disability made them infertile, but that they chose not to have children because of concerns for care. Um, you know, due to their own disability, or that it may be age-related, where they decided not to have children because they got to a certain point in their lives and felt it was it was too old. And and gender is a massive, massive issue, and and very much a um, an antagonist from this because there's still such a by saying to somebody, "Why didn't you have children?" by making that uncomfortable, by by judging them in that way, that is is actually saying to women that um, everybody else has a right to tell you what to do with your body. We've decided what you should do with your body. And we're in the 21st century now, and we're still battling that. We're still battling people making a decision about somebody else because of what they've done with their own body. And those those are, are huge factors. And the things that, these factors that are protected characteristics, I think people haven't maybe made the link yet that actually I was discriminated against because of my childlessness, but actually I don't have children because my disabilities are X, Y, Z, and I didn't feel I could cope alone. And and therefore I made that decision or my partner made that decision. And, and you know, marital status, you know, partner status is uh, um, so, th- but now I'm being treated less than because of it. But that is a case in its own right. But no one's bringing these cases yet because the conversations and the links to the workplace maybe aren't quite um, throwing through for, for people. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's opportunity then in, in terms of, of, of some empowerment there? So that if there are cases and if people are thinking, actually, this isn't quite right. You and I had a chat before we went onto the stage and it was about something to do with, um, I won't digress here with it, but a situation that applied to me. And we had a conversation and you said, ah, no, that's not right because, and it strikes me that there's, there's a knowledge gap, I think, you know, we're, we're all trying to battle with the kind of the feelings of childlessness. And how that makes us feel but actually there seems to be like there's a legal part to this or a 
a more kind of a, a lawful part to this you know the systems are broken and that that needs more sharing because it feels like that we could be on the point of change and maybe between all of the groups that there are there's gateway women there's the childless collective there's us there's, there's lots of different groups out there that somewhere in all of those groups there is perhaps a, an empowerment of force or within our membership cases that we can talk about that might get us to that point is that is am I being a bit too kind of militant? I, I no, I might be. <laughs> no, not at all. And and what uh, what could be helpful to people? Because uh, if we're talking grassroots, where where we as you know as as childless women as as uh, as people who are are having these conversations and talking about them, if we see ourselves as uh, going into the workplace to sort of raise that as a grassroots level then that doesn't mean that we can't at the same time try and get a sandwich approach from the employer down so I would be saying you know look at who might be your champion in the workplace if you are looking to make change you want to get the conversation going who uh, who are your directors that might be supportive is there a HR person you think might get it is there a, an EDI lead in your organisation? Is there an are there equality champions and uh, people who, for example, might have a um, might be more clued up through their own personal experiences who might be willing to to talk and have that conversation? So look at who can can sponsor you, who can uh, who can be your allies in the workplace, because that is, you know, it's it's so lonely to try and do it by yourself it's it can make it you know it can really we're so vulnerable when we try and do that because the the rejection can really sting and uh, and have it and you you will come across barriers very frequently you'll come across uh, that pronatalism and some of it is about other people's comfort zones they're not comfortable talking about it they, they may be feeling guilty they may be feel um upset for you but they don't know how to show that support so you know colleagues shut down the conversation just as quickly as family members and, and friends do but if you can have a you know a, a sponsor somebody to, to champion that and uh, and therefore they can start to get people involved like your comms team or even if it's just sending an email around all their staff you know this week's world childless week um so i'd encourage people to look at x y and z so that and you know that in itself is a really good way to get in don't feel you have to do it alone just because right now you're the only person in in your workplace thinking about childlessness think about who else might be able to come on this journey with you i think it's probably fair to say as well that i think that probably the ambassadors it's certainly worth checking whether we step herself, but I know that when I was an ambassador with Steph, that a couple of us went in and we talked to different people. So we, we would provide our services, and I think we would be happy with that as the podcast. And I know that Katie um, at Mist, who's been on the podcast too, does some brilliant training as well. And um, it's just very empathetic, and that she's including everybody in that and takes them on the journey with them it, it's like kind of magic um but it really does it, it it takes it away from from you as a person having to go in and going okay I'm the childless person doing this thing you might have to initiate it but mm -hmm. there are ways of doing it without possibly being 
outrightly going, I'm childless. You don't have to do that. But certainly it's worth bringing Katie in, I think, to those conversations too. Um, they are fantastic workshops just to give people a bit of a, a bit of a, a, an awareness, really. Because as you say, do colleagues do? They, they don't, it, it's a very personal thing to share and it is a workplace and it depends perhaps on the environment of the workplace and how well you know people as well I've worked with people for many many years so they found something very personal about somebody and that can be emotive to them that can be actually grief for them too they didn't know that about you and it's a big discovery um Robert Nerden talks about this in um his episode about how friends discovered that he hasn't had children and it wasn't by choice and it alters perception of mm. people too, and to be aware of that but also to be aware, I think we said this at the end of Storyhouse, that um, not to be alone as well, that you're not alone in that journey to, to get the support you need is really important. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, the support uh, may come from places where you didn't expect it to as well. So where, you know, there might be that uh, even somebody in, in the workplace who's never had uh, children and they're actually really glad of the conversation. It's, I mean, I myself, I had a, a conversation on, uh, on the train with a colleague of mine many years ago. And, and it was and she just said to me oh I, I would have liked to have children but I didn't and uh, and at the time I was I was coping on my own with my own grief didn't know about story house didn't know about Chadless collective but I remembered that conversation as brief as it was and it's uh, it stayed in my mind because we changed subject and started to talk about something else but when I saw the story house event I rang her and asked her if she'd like to come with me to to it, and and we both uh, we both went, and uh, and it really was a, a founding moment in our friendship, and we're both still very much part of of Childless Collective now, and it's been such a a help to me and to her in our own grieving, that uh, the the very the fact that that resource was there was what enabled us to talk to each other and talk to other women about uh, you know about childlessness because we could start to reflect on the event mm. I love that I think sometimes as well isn't it it is that chance conversation isn't it I remember having a similar I hadn't long been told I was childless and I was really struggling with it and I was still employed at the time I remember just having a chance conversation with somebody I knew who didn't have kids it was kind of like, and we didn't know, <laughs> didn't know each other's stories. And we just happened to go out for lunch and just start talking about it. And as you say, it was tentative. We didn't go into details, but knowing that somebody else kind of was in that same position was so helpful for me because every time something came up that triggered me in the office, I'd, I'd go and have a chat with Natalie and go, oh, hey, <laughs> can we go out for a coffee? <laughs> it was nothing formal. It was just good to know that there was somebody else there that I could reach out to. I've had the same experience too. I ended up being like a coffee buddy because I was yeah. quite out about it, but partly because one of the posters I put up had me down as a World Childless Week ambassador in it. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. And then sat at my desk going, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. And actually through that, though, several people got in touch with me to say me too. Mm. Um, not any, you know, I know more about them now, but at the time it was quite empowering to do that because I thought, okay, I've helped somebody else. But I was out about it, you know, it was part of, and I and I got through 
not the worst of my grief, but I'd certainly, it was at a time when I'd already met Michael, possibly you, Sarah, I think too. So I had other people I knew were out there. I've been to Fertility Fest, I've done those things, but the power of kind of getting involved in a community and having a little bit of support behind you, it can actually make it feel a little less isolating because you can sense check and go, I'm feeling this, you know, at the time I could check with somebody else that I also knew was childless, whether it's one of the ambassadors or whether it was Steph or with Michael or somebody else, I could go like, I'm feeling this about this. And they were like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I would feel that too. So there's an alliance there, but also just in helping somebody else, it's someone else to go for a coffee with as well, you know, because as much as kind of we do these things like, um, I don't like I've done Kate, I've brought Katie's training into things. People don't always get it. They still do the baby shells in the office, right? Your desk and that. And you know, it takes time um and a bit of uh, to get to get to that working or to make helpful suggestions, you know, and that kind of thing. It doesn't happen instantly. So to have a coffee buddy or someone to go out with is a is just a really lovely thing, just to know someone else is there on your side. It's amazing to do that. I found it a really helpful, a really helpful element for me on on my first ever story house. I, I event attended back in twenty nineteen when I was just uh, just learning what it was all about. I ha- I found that having a, a baby bingo conversation with somebody helped me so much, and um, so, you know just to, to be able to reel off the things that people had said, which I just found insensitive and 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 stupid. And to have another individual go, yeah, that annoys me, actually. It was was massive because, I, you know, I felt like I was really, um, I thought I, I always felt like if I if I ever said that, actually, that's really upsetting, I just sound bitter and twisted. And the value of having other people around me going, I get that, and it's annoying, you know. It's, it was was huge, huge part of, of, of healing for me. And so, you know, I, I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Sophie, I was wondering, actually, take the conversation in a slightly different <clears throat> direction. What are the success stories you've seen when you've been working with uh, different organisations? What sort of things do you see happening? I see people um, being more, say more willing. Less, I find people emphasise less on um, on whether or not someone's got children. I find that they don't just assume someone's got children. And I also find that, that people are starting to say more. Um, well, I don't have children, but that's, um, you know, that's that's no reason why I should accept unfairness. So I, I find that people are starting to step up a, a little bit more. And so that seems to be more the childless by choice people at the moment. So whether they feel empowered in their decision and, and you know, I know that they have their own discrimination to, to face, but uh, I, I think that quite often they, they think, no, I've made this decision, where there's somebody not by circumstances, it's still quite painful to say out, uh, out loud. And uh, I find that um, people who are uh, childless by, by choice are really helpful in, in being that voice of, of reason to say, do you know what? No, it's, it's not okay. You know, you, you don't have to put up with this because they've been on a different journey and, and they've learned lots of different things. So, uh, so that is, that I see growing more and more and people being, feeling more able to actually say, well, 
yes, but I haven't I haven't had children because of. And there was a story that I um, I, I was told that I wanted to to really share about um, about a an NHS uh, hospital. And, and the thing about the NHS, so many examples, I don't want to pick on the NHS, but it's just because I've got my experience from there. And, and I've also worked lots of jobs in catering and, and I worked in the bank for several years and that was all shift work. And, and I remember a, a story about a doctor who um, was told he had to work Christmas Day because um, he didn't have any children when actually he'd worked the last two Christmas days. And uh, he said, no, I want Christmas at home with, uh, with my wife. I've, I've done my share of them. And uh, they told him that he, he couldn't have that. And then, then they, when he said, is this just because I don't have any children? They said, yes, quite blatantly, quite discriminative. And he said to them, well, actually me and my wife couldn't have any children. We desperately wanted children and it wasn't possible so do you think it's now okay that not only does she not to get she doesn't have the children with her on Christmas day that she so desperately wanted she actually has to spend it completely alone without her husband as well every year do you think that's right and um, that changed the perception of the manager who was making these decisions and a very, very powerful image as well. Very, very brave of, um, of him to say it's, um, you know, it, it was really a, a game changer because he scrapped that rule after that, that people without children um, work Christmas, that, uh, that change. Because as well, it opens the conversation for people might not want to work Christmas for other times. Uh, you know, it might be a family member's last Christmas. There's this, there's this assumption that, um, oh, we really need to give it to people who have children, but it might be somebody who's, you know, it's their parents last Christmas. It is, uh, you know, something that is unmissable for them. It's their last chance to see somebody before they emigrate. You know, people have their own reasons. And I think there's more openness now, particularly with Christmas and, and big events of actually, you know, trying to be a bit fairer. But that was a, a huge, um, you know, a huge turnaround for that manager. But it takes somebody saying, you know, it's, it takes somebody saying, look, this is my situation. This is what it's really like for me. And and we shouldn't, we need to get better at not expecting people, not needing people to do that, actually taking the responsibility as organisations and as employers of just being fair in the first place. I think you said it, Michael. We've got a comment in the, in the chat that's... Um left us speechless but I think again it, it's kind of that that sense of having to share that though isn't it it's kind of and I think that took it I think I sat there with that image is, is seared into my brain but it takes enormous courage to be that vulnerable and hope and in this instance they they did take it on board but some people don't and, and this example in the chat I hope it's okay to share I'm gonna do it anonymously um, but someone's shared that actually they had a really tough time at work, had a breakdown um, and I'll be there. I've, I've done it as well. And when they returned to work, they they shared about their sadness and what that was around and then shared Jodie's TED talk to then have somebody in that group who they've been very vulnerable with, then share a scan photograph, uh, a baby scan photograph. So it's kind of, I guess, 
lots of people are going to be sitting with that's an incredible story but actually there's still that blocker in terms of I could be that vulnerable and I could be that brave and I could still have this insensitivity or this pronatalism thrown back at me and I, I guess that's the the fear isn't it that we all sit with isn't it what what happens if this doesn't land have have you ever seen any of that at all do you ever work around those sorts of issues too yes yes I um I, I've had personal experience of that I I've had, you know I've had um you know people with you saying about the scan there that that's quite horrific and uh, and the other individual has just not taken it on board at all you know they've just not understood and um certainly I've um I, I've come across that as you know in, in my own journey and uh, what I tend to find more is people try and end the conversation as quick as possible. You know, it's too awkward for them. I, I think some people as well, when, when they have children and they start to think about it, I think they feel quite guilty and I think they feel like they can't say in, I think they feel like they can't say the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have uh, I have seen a, a blatant block as as well. And uh, one example that uh, that I do recall was um, a um, an individual who uh, was working over COVID, and uh, it was the early days of COVID when there was no uh, it, there was no inoculation. It was those you know those initial early months where everybody was was quite scared and uh, a lot of people were dying. And um, they s- said to this individual, she was working as a uh, as a nurse, and so somebody uh, said to her that she should put in the extra shifts because she didn't have a family. And uh, which is just an appalling thing to to say because what they've actually said is your life. Is less important because you don't have a child. So when she actually said to them, well, actually, I, I didn't have children because I have a disability that would make, um, you know, it's, it would make caring for a child on my own incredibly dif- difficult. And uh, and actually, I do have a family. I, I have parents that are vulnerable. I have, uh, you know, siblings that I would like to see but can't. But... Um, it's really hurtful to me that uh, that you put that on uh, on my value. They just didn't agree. They just disagreed. They just said, no, I think you're wrong. And um, they just stuck with their position of, uh, of, of you should pick up these extra shifts. And I think that is quite common where people don't engage in the reason. They don't think about it. They just, you know, they just stick with their original stance and uh, and don't really hear or consider what's being said. And sometimes, sadly, I think it's about acknowledging that, that some people are just selfish. And um, that's another word that I know gets thrown at, at childless people a lot. But actually, a lot of people with children are just very, very selfish and they see only their own needs and some of it is about accepting that as, as them as a person. Not everybody will want to come on this journey with us, but uh, but there's enough that do. You know, when I um, when I told friends of mine about the Storyhouse event, I um, I had a um, I had a couple of people come back and do you know what, Sophie? I, I've never I've never thought about what it would have been like not to have had children because I had them, and they've really wanted that conversation. 
you know they've they've really been been interested and keen so some of it is is a case of um of acknowledging that sadly not some people won't care some people will not be interested but plenty of people will regardless of whether they've had children or not plenty of people will go do you know what yeah there is a right and wrong in this and and let's support the right thing sophie i have a couple of things well more than a couple of things <laughs> so i don't want to hijack this hijack this portion but i i want to reiterate so i, I would imagine there'll be people listening to our audience listening to this thinking about okay what can i do and I want to uh, yeah, re- re- reiterate what you were talking about in terms of having the courage to step up. Sometimes it's really tough because I had a conversation with my sister-in-law. So, um, she has two children and um, and she's very curious about what I get up to and what my, my wife Vicky gets up to in, in, this, in our space. And um, she goes, oh, I'm, and she, don't get me wrong, she's a lovely woman, and she goes, "Oh, I, I, I met a, I met a woman who didn't have children the other day at work." Oh, okay, oh, that was that was interesting because it'd be very. How did you find that out? She says, "Oh, well, she actually, you know, we we're having a little talk. There was about four of us, and um, she topped us." Oh, well, okay. Obviously, not me knowing how hard that would have been. So I said. What did you do? Oh, we changed the subject. And so I said, Sandy, oh, I've used the I've used the name. I probably won't listen to this, so it doesn't matter. I said, so hang on, look, look at this from a different perspective. You know the struggle that Vicky and I have had, and and so you know how tough it is. And this woman offered you this story about her. She offered you. The, she opened the door to say, ask me more. She wanted to tell you something and you shut the door. Now, she, of course, she was mortified. But, yeah, I I sometimes think that this is, this is going to be a really hard, hard sell, if if that makes sense. One of the things that I, I've been, I've had the privilege to do is represent us along with um, some Australian colleagues, so Sarah Roberts, uh, Judy Graham. And Liz Campbell down here in Australia, we we was able to give a talk to the Diversity Council of Australia, so Australia's peak diversity inclusion body, which was fantastic. It was really really great to be able to do that. And now I've recently got an email from them saying, "Oh, look, you know how how are you and and the company you work for, and how are you, you going with this? How are they supporting you with with?" you know, being, being a childless man or representing the childless community. And I haven't been back yet because that email is going to be nothing because as much as I've tried to engage people about it, it's a wasteland. I've got nothing. To, I've, got, I've got no uh, no one to talk to about it because no one wants to listen. Uh, I can't find that um, that sponsor that you talked about. It's tough. So what advice have you got uh, that we could perhaps use, get out there? It reminds me of the conversation that we had with um, Gail Miller. When we asked her, Do, does the medical fraternity actually know or believe that childlessness is an issue? And so it's almost like, well, for me and what I've been exposed to, that businesses don't believe it is. 
it's 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 not an issue. And, and so how do how do you how do you then as a as an employee of that company try and raise it without looking like the good time Grinch? Here's an ex- I've got a really good example. So I'm showing you all this calendar. So we get a magazine sent to us every quarter, and in this quarter was this where they had a competition for kids to colour in safety signs for, uh, for, for a Christmas competition in the calendar for next year. And now I'm thinking, how, how, do, how do I respond to that? How do I go to my HR department and respond to that? Anyway, so I'll shut up because I can see you've got your hand up and I'll just rabble on all day. Oh, do you, do you, Michael, can I, can, I just, can I just check with you that I'm understanding this right? Was that competition for everybody who worked there as kids to do? Yes. So that absolutely excluded everybody without children? Yes. Okay. That, that's the sort of thing that, ha- that if, that, if your organisation had, had had that, uh, you know, that level of training, which, uh, you know, no one's had it at the moment, but we aspire one day, we'll, we'll get them, that they may have rethought. That, that is quite devastating. Um, it would be very, very hard to, to have that conversation. And uh, it may just be an email. Not everything, you know, you don't have to put yourself physically, verbally um, in front of somebody. Some of it may be an email to say, can I just make you aware that um, when you actually brought that out, it actually discriminated against everybody without children. Those, there are people in this organisation who don't have children, they've got had issues with fertility, they've suffered baby loss, and that might be quite upsetting to them to, um, you know, to, to be sidelined in this way. And you don't have to say, this is my personal experience, you can just say there are people within this organisation who might feel you know, you don't have to necessarily pinpoint it. And you may not get a response. You may not get a response that you particularly like, but you've opened the conversation. And so I completely, you know, get what you're saying about not being able to find that sponsor, not being able to find, you know, that crack, that way in. But I think with uh, with childlessness as a, as a diversity issue, We've got to really understand and accept where we're at. If you look at how um, when we start to talk about racism in the workplace, when we start to talk about sexuality in the workplace, when we start to talk about gender in the workplace, when people started to talk about coming out as trans in the workplace, they encountered all these issues that um, you know that, that we see now. They encountered, I mean, you only have to look at you know, the all lives matter approach to, to see how people attempted to silence people without actually aggressively silencing them, you know, brushing people aside. And I think it's it's about accepting that where it comes to childlessness, uh, we will hopefully move quicker, but we're actually in a place where people were at uh, in the workplace around racism and maybe something like tra- um, transgender sexuality 50 years ago. And that's where we're at today with, with discussing childlessness. Now, the, the thing that we have that's, um, that's favourable to us is we have resources that they never had. So we had things like, um, you know, we've got the internet, we've got our community groups, we can reach a lot of people and, and we can talk to, our, to each other like we have, you know, and normally we would never have met if it wasn't for the internet and it wasn't for, uh, for technology. 
So we've got lots of ways of, of moving the message on quicker than people had in the past. But, uh, but sadly, it's understanding that, you know, not, not everybody will want to hear what we say, but they will in the end because it will become unacceptable. Just as all those other types of discrimination became unacceptable, we are where they were several years ago. And uh, and it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard slog, you know. You will find support in the most unlikely places that you never thought possible, and you'll find a closed door where you thought people would be really empathetic and, and caring. But it it is about carrying on, just banging that drum, you know, saying, "Can we send this out for World Childless Week? Can we send this in? Send this out for infertility awareness? Just get just put it on people's radar." People won't respond till they're comfortable, and it's going to take a while of um, of just sending things out, of just raising when something's a bit inappropriate or a bit unfair, like that kids colouring calendar. You know, actually, just just putting it on a gen, just putting it on their radar, and and you don't have to personalise it. You can say this might appear to some people who don't have children. This might be hurtful because. And all you're doing is starting to put it on people's minds. And it's a case of, of moving forward and forward as, uh, as, as ambassadors, as pioneers for this and, and accepting that this is going to take some time. Yeah, yeah thanks, Sophie. It's, it's, it, I, 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 I agree with you. It, I know it's hard, but, yeah, unless we, we won't get change unless we start talking about it, getting it out there, being visible, which I know is really, really hard for some of our community. But, yeah, I guess the, the reality is that we must. The uh, Yeah, and, and the, you know, there are ways in which, uh, you know, we can try and get that, uh, you know, that top-down support suggesting, you know, for example, the childless training and uh, I'm thinking of where else it might fit. Um, I was asked to do, uh, recently to do a, uh, a training session for a company on baby loss and uh, I, um, for the first time, they have come back to me and said, can, can you actually steer it this time? And uh, instead of, of talking about just baby loss, can you also, you know, tell us a, uh, a little bit about uh, our legal and, uh, and best practice obligations around infertility um, on how we support people who have, uh, you know, failed in, in IVF? And even though that's a very small part of childlessness, that is, uh, you know, that just goes to show that people are starting to think a bit wider. They're starting to think a little bit out of the box. So think as well about things that this can be tagged on to. You know, convers- it can be tagged on to things like um, conversations about sexism in the workplace, your gender pay gap, you know, the yeah, restrictions on, um, on women or sexist practices that, that we still put up with. And, uh, and don't even recognise because they're so embedded within, within our communities, within our workplaces even. So it's thinking about, actually, this is relevant to this situation as well. So I'm going to mention it and, uh, and I'm going to see how, uh, how people react. Really important, isn't it? I think to, to, uh, I just wanted to mention, um, because I think it's an important thing that's popped up lately, is um, Not Mum Network and Samantha Jane Walsh appearing in the Daily Mail um, about her issues working in retail and working on Boxing Day and covering for parents. 
and some of the pushback that she's got the, the same paper um as it is want often to do it's not one of my favorite reads i have to say if ever but it's there and it did the job and it got people talking but it then went on to publish a um another article a few days later that just said mothers like me should always be off at christmas and bear in mind of course this applies to to men as well it applies to everybody it's not you know obviously sam's taken um her point of view as a woman but it also is of course affects childless men as well and it became very them and us and that's not the point really the point that sam was making is the systems are broken it's not them and us. And certainly I think in our, in our comments, it's coming over in the chat that it can feel like it's an attack on, on pronatalism. And I suppose probably if we're all going to be completely honest, I suppose it probably is to a point, because let's be honest, we've all sat there with it for so long um, that it does feel sometimes perhaps we are and maybe we should but it's also learning from each other that's the kind of the podcast view the full stop view we learn from each other and and sharing that can be really hard you get a lot of kind of um, passive aggressiveness back I think from people um that there might be that because we've expressed some vague kind of nugget of information around children that actually we are we're okay to talk about children. Yes. You know, come on, yeah, you can't have them, but hey, here's mine. Um, it's just unbelievably shit. It's just fucking awful that people have to go through that um, experience and it can really shut people down. If people are shut down and they do get that aggressiveness back, and I've certainly seen it after Story House, that people left Story House feeling, yay, empowered, tried to do some activism got shut down, lost their confidence. What advice is there for people that are going, I'd like to do this, I'm actually really shit scared because I know what's going to happen. What What are some really good tips that we can give people who are thinking, it's January, I've come back from work, I work Boxing Day, I did this stuff, I had to put up with all this crap and I'm in the workplace and actually I really want to hand in my notice because I know I've been there in January and go, ah, oh, crap, you know, sub this. Um, it's really hard. So what's some confidence? Where can we give people some confidence from this? It's, do you know, I just I, I just wanted to um, to say first that the article in the Daily Mail where the the, um, the woman was saying, mums like me should always give them Christmas. Um, it was a particularly cruel article. And one of the things I found when I, when I started to, to actually talk about childlessness is that um, a, a lot of, of parents actually didn't mind if they had to be in certain days. Um, they were quite happy to uh, to come in between Christmas and New Year. Like, well, just haven't been rotated on, but yeah, if you want the day off, I'll come in. You know, and and it pitched such a them and us. You know, and the reality is that um, most people without children are happy to be helpful with shifts, and most people with children are happy to be helpful with shifts. And uh, and sometimes when when people get on this one issue, then uh, then it can be uh, you know it it can be people can like the Daily Mail can pitch those extremes extreme personalities against each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're always trying to find a middle ground. This is what this is about. This is about equity. We don't you know we don't want everything our own way. We want to compromise and and be you know and and have good relationships, have friendships with people, you know, and uh, you know have uh, have good working relationships. But one thing I say for people returning back 
And this takes us back to um, what I was saying earlier about understanding where we're at with certain companies, uh, certain organisations. When you go back in January and you start to get that shut down or you feel like I don't know how to approach the conversation, Talk to, make the most of your peers, you know, join, join up with people from, uh, you know, from the childless community. Uh, we have a, a massive uh, support network that a few years ago didn't even exist. So, you know, chat to your own childless uh, collective group. And, and when the most important thing is when you come home and, um, and you feel like you've just been shut down, no one cares about, you know, what you had to say and you've had that really negative experience, talk to another childless person, you know, keep, uh, keep those, uh, those communications open. Don't sit and bottle it up. Look after your own well-being as well and, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, make your connections with, uh, with your childless group. And uh, and even maybe we could look in the future at some sort of um, some sort of maybe action listening group where people bring forward their ideas. Look, I tried this in the workplace. This is what happened. And uh, but yeah, the, it it is hard. It's um and it's going to be a uh, a tough journey. But uh, take your comfort in how far we've come with other rights regarding fairness. You know, look at look at where we are these days with regards to where we were 50 years ago, where we were 10 years ago on uh, on many equality issues. And uh, yeah, keep talking to your peers because we will get there. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's important that we really support each other. And, and I suppose that the final thing I'd say on that, uh, if it feels too much one day to try and do, don't do it, do it another day. Look, at, look after your own well-being. You know, you're not... Um, None of us can change the world in one day all on our own. And, uh, and if that day does not feel like the day to do it, do it another day when, uh, when you feel, uh, feel energised and prepared. I think that's so important. That's really, really good advice. I just wanted to flag that the Childless Collective has a um, change makers, workplace change makers section and that the full stop online community has workplace pioneers where we're sharing um, advice and support as well. And I also just to bring in just briefly, because, you know, this is kind of like my big kind of like thing is also that all of this advice applies to business networks as well, because as much as um, I'd like to say it's great on the outside and that, yeah, freelancing and working for oneself is fabulous. There are pockets of that, too. It's really hard. Sometimes you get a lot of groups that just shut down in July and August because they don't have they've got children and they've gone away on their on their holidays. Um and sometimes kids turn up in phone calls and Zoom meetings and things like that. It's not that easy there, too. And a lot of this advice can apply there. I think it's I've certainly sent emails to people that have run workplace um, or sorry, freelance networks and business networks and said, look, actually, you're excluding people by having this particular theme, topic or whatever. Can you just make sure that it's more inclusive? And here's some ideas. I haven't necessarily said that, although. To be honest, they know that I am childless, but it's okay to do that too. It's all good advice for that because it's not always easy in um, running a business too. And there is support out there. Certainly we welcome people in the Full Stop Online community who are running their own business as well as people employment too. And our workplace pioneers group, we're quite happy to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, I remember when I was employed, there was um, sometimes you can talk about networks, a lot of bigger corporations, I uh, have networks and I really like the advice from Sophie about 
piggybacking on other issues. Um, we had networks for grief. We had networks for uh, working mums. Um, we also had some others around um, health. And actually, there was starting to be a conversation when I left around childlessness and the health group. Um, so that I thought that was really sound advice, actually. See if you can piggyback on something else just to start that conversation off. Because as you rightly say, childlessness, I think people sometimes just don't know what to do or say to us or how to behave. Uh, and again, the, the the networking as well as a self-employed. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> That's that is hard work sometimes when mm -hmm. you just it's, it can be relentless when you think you found a group and then oh, it goes off in a, a conversation that you didn't expect. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, it does. yeah. I've got a group I could recommend to you, Sarah, that actually I've pre-educated them. They, they know all about this because actually they've helped shape the full stop. Uh, but that was only by me putting myself out on the line and saying, look, actually, this is a thing. This is what I've been through. Well, not all the murky details, but, you know, go listen to the podcast and find out why I'm telling you about this. Because, yeah, it's really hard. But, yeah. And also what I love about that and going out to other networks and piggybacking is, of course, you're educating the people you know because we can have conversations in our groups and we all know about childless we know this and we can and it's great therapy to share the stories my goodness and to have the rants and the tears that is so important but actually going out and saying to working mums groups to gender balance groups and saying hi this you know is related to that you're educating people who might already be parents and going okay this is on your radar now and that I think is so important to actually educate outwards where we can, which is why kind of we're the full stop and we haven't gone full stop childlessness. Obviously, we do talk about that as our topic, but actually people stumbled across us. They could learn something from us because they all need to know. And why not know from people who are being who are brave enough to do that and have that lived experience, but also in a subtle way, it's just saying, you know, certainly I've raised grief and so you know, grief workshops. You know, in the way that I've also talked about, you know, losing a pet as well, those sorts of things. You can just bring it in. Bereavement doesn't just apply to people. It applies to situations. It applies to obviously disenfranchised grief as well. It's a really good way to get that conversation going. And of course, I keep I'm sort of plugging the full stop a bit today, but there is always an episode pretty much for every awareness day as well. So International Men's Day, of course, we talked about the experiences of, of childless men around that so again next year then there's a full stop podcast episode for that international women's day it's international women's day not international mother's day it's for all women and again it's a good way of getting our stories across for that too um and other parts of the year too there's pretty much a podcast episode for every awareness day going if that's something that's celebrated or honored in workplaces then have a ferret around or ask us email us if you want to and we'll come up with one we'll create one if we need to but let's use the podcast and our online community and other communities out there and other resources and networks and groups for childlessness to get that message out there to piggyback that on if we can yeah that I that sound that, that that sounds brilliant I just wanted to I just wanted to to highlight before we go just be saying about International Men's Day what I'm really interested in in doing uh, next year is looking uh, at, uh, at some research to see the workplace experience of men and how that differs from that of women 
because uh, we know that, uh, that, you know, more women are part time, uh, you know, childcare falls on women, it tends to impact their careers. So with those, uh, and that, that tends to be the uh, the catalyst for these arguments about who's off and who's in work and you know it'll be interesting to see how that differs with with men who uh, maybe their experience is different because they tend to whether they have children or not tend to not have those those same arguments uh, however it's uh, it will be uh, it'll be interesting to see what actually does go on because uh, we know that men have their own baby bingo and the same really insensitive things get uh, get said to them so uh, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing next year how that differs between uh, between men and women in the workplace what those experiences are and uh, and if we can offer some support to uh, to childless men who uh, who are facing uh, you know are facing that in their job roles well, uh, Sophie, if you yeah, let me know because I can definitely put that into the Childless Men's Community Facebook page. And um, now, of course, that's global. That's not just UK. And so you will get a yeah, very broad response in terms of um, demographic, I think. That'd be fantastic. If I could send over my SurveyMonkey link, and um, and then, uh, of course, I'll be inviting anybody who's willing to speak to me on a one-to-one in more depth as as well. So people have the option. They can either complete the survey um, or they can speak to me one-to-one or they can do both. You'll put it on the show notes as well. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's get that conversation going come and build it up because we're certainly really keen to make sure that, that childlessness falls on to International Women's Day and International Men's Day as well. It's a really big thing. And we did really well with that this year, actually, with the um, of last year, rather. At the time of releasing the podcast, it will be next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as if time zones weren't enough of a complexity. Um, easy ways to confuse Berenice, yes. But yeah, we certainly did very well with that, picking it up. And that certainly got some conversations going with International Men's Day in the UK. It would be really good to get that on the International Men's Day globally as well. So yeah, let's do that. Let's get some let's get some action going. That's a really positive way to start the new year. Definitely. Thank you, Sophie. That's that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. Feel really hopeful now really hopeful going forward it's it's it's, there's a lot of pockets of exclusion so many but joining together and having support and actually knowing you're there Sophie is really important too because I didn't realize about some of the illegalities of this and exclusions it's a big topic EDIB is such a big and hot short but very hot phrase that's really important to people and using that to our advantage is incredible and really powerful and I'm really hoping that between us between all the other amazing people doing brilliant work in this community the the leaders and the people that are there to support them we can make this an exclusion I I feel like it can become a protected characteristic I feel like it's within reach yeah Absolutely. And if, if we think that the age discrimination only became protected characteristic in uh, in 2009, um, you know, it's uh, we may 10 years from now be watching childlessness go into that uh, into that umbrella as well. You know, things can uh, yeah, I think things could change. And I, and I, absolutely, I absolutely share your hope, Berenice. I, I, I really do that it's uh, 
it could become a protected uh, protected characteristic and a yeah, and an understood characteristic as well. You know, where people actually see that yeah, it should be a protected characteristic because of you know, and they understand a bit more. And I'm so so appreciative of being invited onto the podcast. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's brilliant that this is. Uh, you know, this is being talked about as a as a staff welfare issue, and uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to be uh, you know to be given the opportunity to come and uh, come and speak with you all, and uh, you know, and and um, just to, to say just to say thank you. No, well, thank you for coming on. It's been fascinating. We knew it would be. It's one of those hot topics, isn't it? That is kind of, I, I guess, a hardy perennial because we've all experienced it, and we still are, but. I have everything crossed that we can start to get that protected um, social political piece done so that we can all feel actually that we're not less than and that we can actually rock up and say, hey, this is me and I, I, I deserve the same protections as people who happen to be parents. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Thank yes, you. thanks, Sophie. I'm going I'm to plagiarise some of your words that you used today for my response <laughs> for the calendar. So, thanks. That's my pleasure. <laughs> Get the transcript sorted, Michael. Be... <laughs> no pressure. It's going to be a really good transcript, actually, when it's done. That's kind of my Absolutely. bit. Really, yeah. There's some really good. I'm just literally going to have a whole kind of like every day for absolutely ages some really good podcasts from this for our social media because there's so much empowerment here. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge as well that actually we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for all the people that listen and engage with all the different communities out there including the podcast and including our online community because that gives us all strength that people speaking out gives us the the tools and the evidence as well so that really matters too and to all the researchers out there who are doing brilliant stuff too we've come a long way in 10 years a hell of a long way in fact in 12 years which is when I first started to use the word childlessness in relation to me it has changed enormously and that's incredible so we we've got this we we're there we are we are all guns blazing we're fighting it we're doing it i should have really brought this in earlier on you know there has been uh incidences of of blatant bullying you know just because of somebody's uh, childless status when somebody comes into work to work and tells a colleague that um you know their childlessness makes them means that they're selfish means they're uncooperative um, and says negative things about their personality what other situation would that not be bullying if you came into work and said started telling somebody um negative things negative connotations about their personality because of their race their sexuality their gender can, can you imagine the you know the quick response from an organization the uproar um, unless you're in one of those you know toxic places which sadly also exist but uh, but that is bullying you know when people decide to to sit there and uh, and just say these sorts of things I couldn't and I, and I wouldn't go into work and just start telling somebody negative things as I think about them for any reason. So when somebody does that uh, with, through, you know, due to your childlessness, that is bullying. That is that is actually treating somebody less favourably. That is uh, that is making somebody feel, um, you know, a, a certain way. And uh, and people think they've got the entitlements to say these things still, and and they don't. That can be raised as with HR as an issue in the workplace. Yeah. Being rules. 
I uh, I actually had somebody say to me once over over Christmas, and uh, it, it was it was incredibly hurtful. And um, they they were on one of their their rants about how selfish I was because I didn't have children, and uh, and they didn't know that I desperately wanted children. And because of that situation, I wasn't um, I wasn't forthcoming with the information. I just didn't want to get into that conversation at all with them. And uh, I remember saying that um, I didn't mind working Christmas Eve because um, I was going somewhere else on Christmas Day. I wasn't cooking or anything on for Christmas Day, so I didn't mind working Christmas Eve. And they said to me, well, yeah, how good can your Christmas actually be anyway? And, um, you know, that that is workplace bullying. And so at at the time, I, I didn't see it as bullying, so I was happy to, to argue back with this individual. But now looking back, if I'd been at a different time in my life, if I'd been at a time where I felt more sensitive or a time I was vulnerable for any other reason, that could have had a massive psychological effect on me. And, uh, and I think that, you know, that people still feel entitled to say these nasty things to somebody because they don't have children. And, uh, and yeah, absolutely flag that, raise that as a HR issue. Um, well, apologies, I wish I brought that up earlier. So. No, no need to apologise. We, we'll, we'll get it in there, don't you worry. It's funny though, isn't it? Because I, I was briefly employed this year, very briefly, um, decided it wasn't for me. But there were real... I was really struck by how I, I was managing a department and when I joined, I did the induction, I told everyone what I did and I told them about my childlessness. And I was really struck by, if I was in a different place, I wouldn't have done it. But actually, people came up to me after and said, oh, that's very brave, da 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 But actually, two months in, all of that was forgotten about. So, and there was um, there was a pregnancy announcement on one of my teams and I used to sit with the team and if she was talking about her pregnancy, even now I struggle with it. So I just sort of turn away, not get involved in the conversation. But one of the comments that was made before I left was, wasn't really present and didn't really um, engage in the team. And I don't know if it was this particular instance, but I wondered actually at the back of my mind, I wonder if it was to do with that. Because actually, sometimes we have no choice but to shut down. We're not part of that conversation. It's painful. We've got nothing to really talk about. And I just it, it just rankled at the back of my mind. I think, I wonder if that's what they were referencing. So you talking about this has sort of brought that up again. Because I remember my boss telling me that. And I said, well, have you got an example? And he wouldn't give me an example. And I wondered afterwards, I thought, hang on, if I join the dots, I wonder if it's about that even though they knew because I'd done a presentation about what my other parts of my lives involved. So it's kind of, oh, aren't you brave? But then, oh, oh it's forgotten. Yeah, isn't, isn't that interesting that it wouldn't give you an example? Because that in itself, you know, to say to somebody you weren't engaging and you weren't taking part, but I'm not going to tell you how, it is mm -hmm. just bollocks, isn't it? That is just absolute crap. And, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, that in itself would have, um, you know, it is, it's quite a bullying conversation. You've done something wrong. I'm not going to tell you what, but don't do it again. What are you supposed to go with that? Um, to, and, and I think, yeah, if, if he wouldn't tell you, it's almost as if, like, we've listened to you tell us about your childlessness. Now, now mask your emotions for the rest of your career. 
we, we've done the bit. We've done the, the half hour of listening bit. And uh, so now everything we do is okay because we've, we've listened to that. It's tokenism, isn't it? At the yeah. End? And I think that's something that um, anyone who's listening to this, who is a parent, who's done training and but has forgotten don't do tokenism i'd like to think that because listening to us if you're listening to us in your event that you are not tokenism but it's really important to be aware of that and actually alliance building an alliance and being an ally to people who are childless means that being conscious of it as much as you can be um you know you will get it wrong because it happens you know people are human beings we get it wrong too um because we can we get angry and griefy too and it, it is hard but tokenism yeah it's not enough to do that and i put in the chat earlier that i had an incident where um I, people have done the training and everything and um in a conversation last week over christmas lunch there was um a talk about oh my child was born in this hospital that hospital and i think but you've done this i know you did the training with me with katie because you were there and it's not malicious it's just that forgotten that had a blip but again it was also me to go look actually this is inappropriate because that that manager with with yourself sarah had a completely different opportunity that he rejected there uh you know following that call he could easily have picked up the phone and said um Look, I just wanted, I know that you did the, the talk on, on childlessness. You, you know, you told your story. Uh, I noticed you looked a little bit upset on the call. I just want to check if you're okay. Are you all right? And and that would have been a, you know, that that is where the token, that's that's genuine action then, you know, and and that could have been a totally different relationship that he then started with you as a, as a staff member. So that managerial training, is uh, is is really it is is so vital, you know. Maybe maybe one day we'll get to target our leadership training. That's absolutely. Um, I'll be honest. It was kind of it tapped in what you said. I left after. Yeah, that. I'm, not, I'm done. I, there was other stuff going on, but I was like, All right, I'm done. But I think you know, it's I guess it's connecting the dots, isn't it? It's giving people. You're right. They're not going to get it, always get it right. We're not going to, especially if we're triggered, we're going to, you know, we, we might go off, mightn't we? But at least have the door open to have a conversation and say, hey, look, just noticed that that's probably out of character for you. Thought I'd better check in, find out what's what's happening. If you want to talk about it, you know where I am, even if you don't want to talk about it, because, you know, our, our sort of boundaries shift, don't they? Sometimes we want to talk about it, other times we don't. But at least have the door open so you can have the opportunity. Definitely. It's better for staff retention. You've just summed up the billion dollar reason as to why companies need to do this, why why networks need to do this, so they retain their members because it's staff retention. Because isn't it better that people are happy and engaged than it is to lose somebody, someone as talented as yourself, Sarah? It's 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 not in the company's interest. Well, yes, you are talented. Sarah's pulling faces now, um, but yeah, you're 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 you know you're losing good staff the end of the day why do that for 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 what amounts to some learning and some awareness just do it what's stopping you what is stopping people engaging nothing really apart from discomfort and you can get over that because frankly we've got over a hell of a lot to get where we are today too you know thanks for listening we hope you found our conversation with sophie as useful and informative as we did We'd love to hear from you if you found this topic interesting or have been able to raise your own voice in the workplace as a result. 
If you'd like to find out more about our podcast or you have a great idea for a topic we've not covered or you just want to know more about, we'd love to hear from you. We want this podcast to have as many voices from across our community as possible. So if something's missing or you just want a deeper dive on it, just let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also become a member of our brand new online community, which is a safe and inclusive space for anyone that's a member of the Childers community. More details are available on our website at www.thefullstoppod.com. You can also sign up to our listeners list at the website, which keeps you up to date on what we're up to. And if you'd like to, you can also donate to our work. As always, it's important for us to remind you, you're not alone. We're going to end the podcast on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got militant. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Do you, do you know what? Managers have to have difficult conversations about all kinds of things. There's no reason why they can't learn to have a, have, uh, you know, a conversation about this as well. You know, there's there's other things. It's like you know, HR departments, managers have conversations where they have to dismiss people, where you know they're dealing with, um, you know, sort of uh, really really distressing and horrendous situations so we know that they've got the ability to handle difficult conversations so this is just another difficult conversation that they've got to learn to handle it's part of being a leader